Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Happy Father's Day. Come on, man. It's all the dads. We love you so much. My dad's been in heaven for quite a while, but he always said every Father's Day, yeah, let me tell you, boy, Father's Day. It's Mother's Day. Cheaper gifts. Not a lot, a lot of truth in that one. And I, I just, whoever came up on our staff, whoever, maybe one of the volunteers that serve, serves here at Victory with putting bacon out there, God love you. You are awesome people. Some of our campuses, I think one of you guys might have beef jerky, but it's beef. Bacon, I'm telling you, it's awesome. You say, well, that's not very healthy. We don't care. Today is insensitivity day. It's Father's Day. So, but I, but I'm, a, I, I'm a sensitive person. We'll pray for you. It's Father's Day. God made men to be relatively insensitive for a reason, but that's, not, that's a marriage seminar. We'll get there in another day, but I want to help you to, to understand how to hear God because it's not a mystery. It's one of the greatest questions I've been asked in 40 years of ministry. How do I hear God's voice? And it really isn't a mystery. So what we've done in the last two weeks and then this week and the next is we're taking you to what I call the four pillars of hearing God's voice in your life. And, and like a table has four legs, you, you'll have more stability when you add all four. You don't want to rest on any one of them in particular, except there is one that is foundational, which was the one we spoke of the first week, which is God's word. God's word is God's voice. That's the first pillar. It's the foundation of the rest of the pillars. And so the, the second we talked about last week is the wisdom of God. And we talked about how that has a context of the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God and how they come from two different kingdoms. This week we're going to talk about the people of God. And the next week we'll talk about the spirit of God. When you put these four legs together, you'll have a very sound and, and firm foundation from which to know that you've heard from God. Because in the world we live today, it's so dark and ever darkening, it's hard to exaggerate it. It, It's like somebody just took an insanity pill and it just dropped like an atom bomb. And people are living in times of such insanity. And that insanity comes out of a kingdom of darkness. But God's word says that he is light and in him is no darkness at all. Light is in scripture a a definition, if you will, a parallel to direction. And God wants to bring light into my life and direction into my life, but in two specific areas. There are two aspects of hearing the will of God. The first is the general revealed will of God. The second is the specific will of God. The general revealed will of God is what he says in his word. That's the same for everybody. In fact, in the scripture, it actually tells you that this, the word of God, there is never a private interpretation. It means it's not, means this to this person, that to that person. It is simply the truth. Not a truth, but the truth. And by the way, remember, the truth is not a book. The truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the truth. He said, well, I disagree with him. That's fine. You'll be dead soon enough and you can find out who was right. It's a bad time to find out. I don't say that to be silly. Truth doesn't, it it isn't subjective. And so you see the word of God, you can't, but here's the deal with the specific will of God. I can't open my Bible and find out the person I'm supposed to marry. I can find out the will of God on the kind of person I should date or marry. Or how to be a husband, how to be a wife. God's will, I can hear his voice from, from scripture about that, but I can't find out who. 
I can't even find out the individual purpose of my life in the Bible. You are made uniquely by God to fulfill a unique purpose. And if you don't add the other three legs beyond the word of God, you'll never know even your divine purpose in this life. And, and I, 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 I want to say this every week, and it's Father's Day, so we need to abuse Cleveland one more time. If you came to me and said, I'm praying about moving to Cleveland, you won't find that in the Bible. But you will find enough in the Bible to tell you that's a horrible decision. Yeah, nobody moves to Cleveland unless it's a mission field. God bless you because the Browns are there. And God loves the Cleveland Browns because no one else does. It's okay. It's just... And, and if you say, well, I'm from Cleveland. Yeah, but you're not there, are you? You left. It's okay. That's all right. You moved to the happy side. Now, but, so let me get into the specific today of the people of God. This is one of the pillars that God uses for you to hear his voice through his people. And there's some balance to this one. So, so if you'll wait through the end, you'll see that there's, this isn't a, a way for people to direct your life and dominate your life. But God uses people as his voice to, to us in his body. And the first point is this. I want to talk to you about the devastation of silence. The devastation of silence. In an ever-darkening world, the, dev- the devastation of the silence of God's voice in the lives of human beings is unimaginably devastating. It is overwhelmingly devastating. People will grasp onto what is evil and what is painful and what is destructive and call it good until it kills them. Because they can't see the voice of the one who wants to rescue them. There is devastation in silence. But I want to be specific to the devastation of silence when it comes to God's people. Let me read you a scripture that kind of wraps our arms around this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Because you belong to whom? Not, you don't belong to your parents. You belong to who? To God. God says, I want you to obey them, not because you belong to them, but because you belong to me. Why? For this is the right thing to do. Now honor your father and mother. It is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it, namely this. Here's the promise. So you will live well and have a long life on this earth. Now fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master, not your ways, his ways. So we see here the the dynamic of God saying to parents that he has designed you to literally be his voice to your child. You mean that I'm God to them. You're the closest thing they'll ever see. You're the only one that will, if it's a healthy home and it's not abuse, it's the only time they will ever experience someone who loves them to the point of death. Their spouse may be willing to do that, but never like a parent. There'll never be a hesitation in a mother or a father if it meant life or death to their children that nobody wants to die, maybe a violent death, but it wouldn't be a question in that environment. It's why it's so important that homes are godly. And it's why it's so important to understand why the culture set a fire of hell is denigrating the family. Remember this, there are only two institutions, only two institutions that God has placed his eternal approval on, only two. The first is the family. And the second is the church, the body of Christ. Those are the only two that will, that will actually exist in heaven. And, and you remember this little prayer Jesus prayed, the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think the two institutions that are eternal are the ones God would want you to 
make first place in your life on this earth. And those are the two institutions that are under enormous attack from a culture. Again, set a blaze of hell. There are only two kingdoms, guys. There aren't 7,000 opinions. There's just two kingdoms from which they all emerge. And one, Jesus said, seeks to kill you, to steal from you, and destroy you. And the other, Jesus said from him, will give you life and life abundantly. Or in this case, he said, so that you can live well on this earth and live a long life. God's plan for every human being is to hear his voice for your good only, the scripture said. He said, I command you these things for your good only. How many of you have ever said that to your kids? For your good only. I'm doing this for your good and your kids rolled their eyeballs at you. If you've been a Christian any length of time, you've probably rolled your, I know I've rolled my eyeballs at God as an immature child. I see something he says in his word to do and I'm like, really? It's for your good. (laughs) Right, it doesn't feel that way. You're going to have to learn to hear the voice of God through people. Now, the devastation of silence, the silence of fathers, is destroying a generation in our nation. There is a devastation of the silence of fathers in our nation. Fatherlessness is at epidemic rates, and it crosses all socioeconomic barriers. Fatherlessness is literally crushing our nation. And, it, and, it's, and it's literally devastating. It is the devastating voice of the silence of a father. But in the world we live, the family is so denigrated that you can't even define the gender of a father. And, and let, me, let me hesitate for a moment. Please don't think I'm speaking disparagingly against anybody who deals with gender issues. If you've never sat in the same room with someone in that, in that battle for their life, it is so heartbreaking you can't breathe. So please don't hear me say that they're, 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 they're those people. There's no those people. There are only broken people that need a savior. And we all fit that category. I said we all fit that category. All of us. So when, when, I, when I bring up areas like this, I want you to be, I want to, please, I want to be so cautious that you don't think I'm speaking disparagingly against anybody. But the culture's gone so nuts that I could come up here today and tell you I'm a woman and you have to believe me. Now, I'm not speaking against someone who's in that trap. But what I am telling you is this. Is that when you disparage the genders to the extent that you can pick one, you've lost the purpose of both. And it's very obvious the need for for a mom in your life. And if you've come to victory for any length of time, you know how much God values women and certainly motherhood. And motherhood isn't under the same attack as fatherhood is in this nation. But it's under such amazing attack that the craziest things... In, in fact, you're told as a dad you don't even matter. Your kids can be... You can be replaced with this or with that or with what... Fill in the blank with whatever. You can't be replaced. You cannot replace the design of the creator. You can't. You can do it, but you'll do it to your own detriment. And I want to encourage fathers today, as imperfect as we are, to step into your role with confidence because God called you to do this. And he's equipped you to do this. And there will be devastation without your presence and your voice. It's so critical. It's so, so very critical. Fathers cannot be replaced, not by the government and not by the village. Now, are communities great to support our families? Absolutely. Can the government do some valuable things as a safety net to to, to those in, in a culture? Absolutely. But the government and the village make a lousy father. Horrible father. Why? 
Have you looked at the government lately? I don't, I'm not talking about political party. Remember, there are only two institutions that God honors eternally. And Republican and Democrat didn't make the list. Neither did American. Kingdom of God and the family. In fact, Ephesians talks about the family of God in heaven and in earth. It matters to God. And fathers, you matter. And there is no replacement for you. You say, well, what happens to me if I grew up without a dad or my kids are growing up without a dad? Does that mean that they're going to live with a deficit the rest of their life? Yes. Unless the God of all creation becomes their heavenly father and you surround them, listen now, with the people of God that are male. Not just female. Male influences that are godly in their life. You have to be very intentional. Why? Because God designed it that way. And he said that this influence will cause your child to be able to choose, to choose what they want with their life and either choose a life where they'll live well and long or, or, or have a life of destruction. And by the way, as parents, you can't control that decision. We cannot be replaced, not by government, not by the village. It can't be done. Now, what you'll hear said by politicians, and, and please, I know there are good politicians, people that are very genuine, but the government doesn't love you. The government doesn't care about you because it is an, it is an entity. Individual members of the government may know you and care about you, but your representative doesn't even know your name. Your representative isn't going to die in your place. A father will. A representative, I, I, I'm, I'm going to share something that I have permission for Michelle to share. I forgot to mention to her I was going to share it, but she won't mind. No, she really won't. When you hear how serious this is, because she wants people to know the gravity of fatherlessness. And I mean this with sincerity. I have permission to share this or I would never do this. My wife's first sexual experience was a date rape. And you want to know why? Because she didn't have a dad. Period. A predator was able to get in her life because she didn't have a father that let him know he would kill him. Let me say that politely. If she had a father and the predator came, the father would have looked at the predator and said, two things are going to happen. You're going to leave or you're, you're going to leave in a box or an ambulance. Amen. Say, well, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be violent. In the name of Jesus, I will be violent. That's what a father does. Stop being feminized by a culture. We need men and we need women. And we need men that looks at another guy and says, listen, I can go to prison. I'm old. It's, the food's okay. I'll live. But you'll be gone. Why, why did that happen to her? Because she did not have someone in her life who was willing to die for her. No government can do that to you, for you. Even if it wants to, it can't. No one can replace the love of a father. No one can, no one can replace the strength of a father, even imperfect. It matters and you matter. And you taking that place as imperfect as we are as dads. It's life and death. The people of God, you are, you are so important to your child hearing God's voice. It, it's so, so, so cre- incredibly important. You'll hear politicians say education's the most important thing, not dealing with fatherlessness. That is either disingenuine or stupid. Uh, let me say that. I want to say it politely. I apologize. That is either disingenuine or stupid. (laughs) Now listen, if you really care about education, 
Do you know that 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes? So you tell me you care about education, but 71% of people that don't make it come from fatherless homes? And you don't want to deal with the foundation issue before you deal with the issue? Don't tell me you care about the issue. You care about the political power you get out of the issue. Deal with this. Well, how do you solve that one? Even if you don't know, you don't quit. We don't do it with any disease, do we? Well, there's no cure for that. I give up. Let's just pretend it's happy time. You fight until you win. But you want to solve that problem. 71% of people that don't finish their education, high school, are from a fatherless home. It's heartbreaking. If you really do care about education, and it's very important, by the way, it is a wonderful way to get out of, 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 of despair. And you ignore fatherlessness, it's a joke. Let me just read you just a few statistics. And these are old, by the way, so they're worse today. 90% of all American prison inmates are men, 90%. 75% of all inmates grew up without a dad. 75%. 63% of all youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all runaways are from fatherless homes, 32 times the national average. Do you know what happens to runaways? Sex trafficking. All the sex industry, is much of it is fed in our nation through runaways. They exist because of fatherlessness. You can't fight sex trafficking until you fight fatherlessness. Dads, you matter. The people of God, you are the voice of God to your family first. And it's so important. 85% of students exhibiting dysfunctional behaviors are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists, 80% are from fatherless homes. It matters. It absolutely matters. Years ago, Michelle and I, we were missionaries and we lived in Africa. And we were, we were based in South Africa. And we went to a place, it's an incredible game reserve called Kruger National Park. It's like the size of half of the state of Connecticut. It's massive. And it exists on its own. The animals eat each other and all that happy stuff. Just so you know, I have a video of a game reserve of a lion killing a, a warthog and ripping its lungs out. It is such an amazing video. My wife will not let me show it in church. I should have shown it his Father's Day. I could work it in somehow. Now, the game reserve, Kruger, it's well-managed, and the, the, the male adult, uh, the, the adult male population, if you will, the, uh, the males in Kruger was, uh, was being, uh, it was too large. And so they, it was breaking down the kind of balance that they had. So they took a lot of the young bull elephants, the males, and they airlifted them by helicopter to a game reserve not that far away from Kruger. And so they, broke, they took that, that extra number of men, or males, if you will, out of Kruger. And they brought them to another place, to another game reserve. Something interesting was happening at that game reserve. White rhinos were being slaughtered and killed. And if you know anything about rhinoceros, the right white rhino is very rare. And so the first thing they thought, it, it has to be poachers doing it. And so they, they couldn't, they, there was no tracking of poachers, so they set up cameras, and here's what they found out. Those young bull elephants those, that were just growing into their adulthood were killing them, and they were perplexed. They're not, they're not enemies of each other. This is absolutely, this is behavior so contrary to an elephant and a rhino that it made no sense absolutely at all. So they, they decided that, you know, I think what they're missing are the older males. 
See, they couldn't transport older males because of their size on a helicopter. So they actually took some of the older males from Kruger and brought them to this reserve and they trucked them in. Something really interesting when they happened, when the older bull elephants came into the reserve, the killing stopped immediately. It never happened again. And it's a really simple reason. Because the older elephants let the younger men know this isn't how elephants live. This isn't how we behave. And that's exactly what happens to a culture when fathers are absent. Men grow up not knowing how to behave. Men grow up not knowing what they're and who their enemy is. And they grow up being destructive instead of having that strength channeled into something productive. Dad, you matter more than I can exaggerate to you. And so do you, Mom. But that's the voice of God in the people of God. Second point is this. You have to recognize God's voice in others. You have to learn to recognize God's voice in others. The Bible says there are 10,000 voices in the earth, none of them without significance. Well, you need to know which voice you're listening to. You need to know from which kingdom it comes from. Because none of them are without significance, but not all of them are from God. So you need to learn to recognize God's voice in others or other people. And those other people are believers, number one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21, Jesus speaking about the body of Christ. Remember, he's the head of the church. He calls us his very body. Jesus said the, the scripture of, of, our, of the body of Christ, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, Jesus is the head of the church. Now, if the head of the church, in, in response to having his will done in the earth, cannot say to you, the body, to me, I don't need you. It stands the reason that the body needs each other. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We're one. The voice of God in the body of Christ is as diverse and impactful as the different parts of your body. And, in the, and the more you can surround yourself with that, the more important that it is. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, but three are even better. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. It's so important that you understand that your integration with the people of God will add a strength to you that this world will not be able to break, and it will try. And if you try to stand alone, now what do I mean by integrating to God's people? The Bible says that in the last days, People will be tempted, he said this. Do not forsake assembling of yourselves together. Talking about the church coming together like this. Don't forsake it. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some has become. And as you see the return of Christ approaching, gather all the more. And what's happening in in the church? People are gathering less. Where do you think that comes from? Well, we're just busy. It's two kingdoms, dear one. Why? Because when you gather together, you're back to back and ultimately you become entwined and you become stronger. Divide and Conquer wasn't written in in, in some book of somebody learning. It, It is a Bible principle. 
It's why you being in a small group as a man or woman, getting your students involved, being in church on a regular basis to gather with God's people, it matters. And the absence of it is devastating. And you can't replace it with whatever you think you can replace it with. God's plan is God's plan. I just want to encourage you to realize that value. And the last thing I want you to see in the context of recognizing God's voice in others is that I want you to see literally God says safety and deliverance will come through the pillar of God's people in your life. Look at Proverbs eleven fourteen. It says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety or deliverance by God through human agency. God literally says that gather yourself with the input of godly people. And if you'll do that in a multitude, not in a, in, not in a minimalist, but in a multi, in, in a, everywhere you can, gather the insights of God's people around you. you. You join together, you come together as a church, you make sure your kids, your students are here on a Wednesday night. It's inconvenient. Let me tell you what's inconvenient. The absence of the presence of God in a world that wants to kill, steal, and destroy them. That is inconvenient. That is inconvenient. I just want to encourage you, realize that he said in, in, the, in the multitude of that influence, there's safety and actual deliverance from God. Listen now, through human agency. Your friend group, that closest circle around you, are they godly men and women? If they aren't, I'm not telling you they're bad people. I'm telling you you're in the wrong circle because you are getting input. I'm telling you it matters to have someone in your life that can tell you the truth. It really does. It absolutely matters. And I want to encourage you to understand that God said godly counsel, godly counsel. Say it out loud, godly counsel. Not just counsel. You can get a lot of crazy counsel. Godly counsel, godly counsel is safety and deliverance from God through human agency. The third point is simply this. How do I apply the voice of the people of God? How do I actually apply this into my life? Number one, there's difficulty in listening. That, that's so difficult for us. In our culture today, no one listens. In fact, it's, it's become a cultural norm. No one listens to anybody. And again, that comes out of a kingdom, not a political group. You see, if, if you can't hear God, you can't be free. But who do I listen to? How do I know to whom to listen? What happens when I do listen to a godly person? Proverbs tells you in twenty-seven seventeen. listen to what it says. When iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. So it is when a friend sharpens a friend. When someone who loves you speaks to you the truth, you're getting the truth in love. The people that are filling your brain and mind in the culture do not have my interest at heart. They don't care about my interest. They care about theirs. The multi-billion dollar industry of the news industry cares a whit about you. No matter what your political bent is, it's about them. When you have a godly person in your life, the scripture says that when you engage, sparks are going to fly. Steel against steel and there'll be sparks. Why? It's unpleasant. As a man, you need to have men in your life that if you're hanging out with your friends and you're playing ball or whatever you're doing, golfing, you start saying stupid things about your wife because you're having a bad week, month, or decade. Your godly friend looks at you and says, hey, dude, shut up. That's stupid. Go home and serve her and love her and find out what's going on. Stop talking so stupid. You can do stupid without friends. 
A godly man will do that for you. Now, another, and you may look back and say, shut up. It's none of your business. I'm not going to shut up. You're an idiot. That's how men talk, by the way. What do you mean I'm an idiot? You're an idiot. What do you want to throw this away because you're having a bad week? Shut up and go home and take care of your wife and love her. Doesn't feel, oh, you don't feel good. Shut up with your feelings. Go home. Take care of your wife. Ask your feelings next month, big boy. That's how men talk to each other or should. Not, you should go home and it should be tender. Men don't don't talk that way. Through the years, if if you're at the other campuses, Pastor Steve and I, who've been here, he's, he's old as dirt. And... We've been abusing each other for years. And ladies have been so, that offends me. I I think you hurt his feelings. I said, I was trying to. (laughs) It was the intent. See, have enough sense when you engage with people. How many at least have the sense of a cow? Uh, You know, there aren't many places I can raise my hand, but I know I at least have the sense of a cow. Here's what a cow does when it eats the hay. It It spits out the sticks. You don't have to receive everything. So let me help you to see how to actually validate what's being said to you. Look at Proverbs 25, 11. It says, timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. To the one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold ear- earring or, gold, or other gold jewelry. In other words, valid criticism is like, it's more valuable than gold to you. Only though to the one who listens. So, but how do I determine what's valid? Because that's really the crux of the people of God. And it's very simple. Here's the first thing. Any advice you're giving by anybody, quote, even a Christian, and it, and it doesn't line up with the other four pillars, then you discard it. If it, if it contradicts the word of God, the wisdom of God, the, the, what generally the people of God are, are taking out of those two realms and the spirit of God in you, then you discard that advice. Because the pillars are congruent, they never contradict. Because God's not bifurcated. And I don't know what four quadfurcated is, but he's not four. He's one. And so the pillars are all congruent. They all say the same thing. So if the advice you're given is contrary to this book, then you've been given bad advice. It isn't valid. It isn't valid. It isn't valid, so don't listen and don't act upon it. Secondly, do you trust the source? People take advice from people they don't even know. I heard this guy on the internet. Really? You know what he said? No, I don't care. He might be nuts. You know, there's a lot of crazy out there. It's tough to fix crazy. Do you trust the person? And here's the best question. Does the source you're listening to care about you and love you? Are your interests at heart or theirs? If you'll take that simple principle, does it contradict the other pillars? Does the, does the source, do I, do I even know this person enough to trust them? And if I do trust them, do they care about me or themselves? What's their motive? If you can answer those questions in the affirmative, man, I'm telling you, you, you have some valid criticism. You have some valid input. And it's going to cause some sparks. But if you'll listen to it, if you'll listen to it, and that's the last point I have for you, Will, will I listen? As a man, as a woman, young person, will I listen? As a child, will I listen? That's not up to God. 
It's not up to anybody who influences you. It's up to me to choose if I will listen. Revelation 3.20, listen what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, so this is the truth, not how I feel. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, say out loud, anyone. If anyone hears my voice and then opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus said that I am available in your life. I'm literally knocking on the door of your life. And if you open that door, you can hear what I say. And then he talks about an intimacy. He's not talking about coming in and eating a burger with you. He's saying, I will come in and have an intimate relationship with you like if we were having a meal together. And he said, it's for anyone that will let me in because he died for all. But he said, he's doing the knocking, but you have to do the opening. Let me say one last thing before we bring this to a close. After a parent gives instruction to their child, it's what the child chooses that will determine the outcome of their life, not the parent. When we read back in Ephesians, children obey your parents, you understand he wasn't speaking so that they could read that to a five-year-old. He was saying that the foundation put in you by your parents, the parents that that were godly, that put the best they knew, the the values of, of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom that wants to save your life, not the kingdom that wants to steal your life, He said, if you will honor that and obey them, because you belong to me, not to them, you'll live long and be well on the earth. Your children get to choose, and you might be 60 years old and still violating what God put in your heart through your parents. That is actual, the heart and will of God and the voice of God. And as long as you do that, you'll be harmed by it, and you'll harm others. And you get to choose as a Christian whose voice you listen to. You get to listen whether you want to you incline your ear to a culture sliding into, into a fire and misery and stupidity because you want to be accepted by people that are, that, that, that are in the same slide. I think it, it might be better for a Christian to love the people in the slide more than care how they think about you. And I think it might be better to say, I'm here to serve you and lay down my life for you and not lie to you so that you can like me. Doesn't mean you're critical of people and put them down. But if you're going to walk in the truth and it's the only thing Jesus said that will set you free, you have to choose to hear his voice. And Jesus said he turns no one away, no one away. We get to choose what we do after we hear his voice. It's my choice and it's yours. Not God's, not your parents, not your spouse, not your kids. No influence. None of the people of God get to choose for you. God gave you a free will. And he expects all of us to actually exercise it. And by the way, we are one way or the other. So I want to pray for every person here. Whether you're here at our physical locations, at our campuses, or online. I want to pray for every person under the sound of my voice. That you'll open your heart to the one who gave his life for you and listen. And let him direct you. And you'll live where you can hear his voice. But the most important decision you'll ever make is what will you do when Jesus, the Son of God, knocks on your heart pertaining to your eternal life? Jesus said, there is a heaven and there is a hell. Yeah, but I don't like that. It's irrelevant. I don't get to choose my own sunrise. It comes up when it comes up. There is, Jesus said, 
Jesus said there is a heaven and hell and here's why he came so that he could pay the debt that only he could pay that you and I could never pay please understand this as a human being there are only two ways that you will die in your sin or redeemed from your sin those are the only two options dying in your sin means that you receive the punishment on your own dying redeemed from your sin is that you go to a savior what does that actually mean that God in his righteousness judged me guilty because sin has touched everybody. But then in his love and mercy, he said, I will come, robe myself in a human body, born of a virgin, and live a sinless life and be permitted to be put on a cross innocently, never tasted sin. And that literally the Bible said the very wrath of God would fall to the Son of God in my place, in your place. He bore my punishment. What kind of love is that? That's what Jesus did for humanity. The punishment due you and me fell to him and he died in my place and yours. He was buried in my place and yours. He was executed for my crime in my place. And then he rose from the dead and he conquers death. And now as a free gift, everyone say free. You remember this, the minute you earn something, it ceases to be free. You can't earn what I'm about to share with you with all the good works in the world. You'd, well, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. That's wonderful, but it won't get you to heaven. But I go to a good church. Wonderful, won't get you to heaven. But I've had sacraments for my church. Happy day, happy day. But it won't get you to heaven. But I, I, I came to victory. Won't get you to heaven. Jesus died for you. And the wrath of God that was due me fell to him. And then he rose from the dead, conquered death. And he said, now I knock on the door of your life. And anyone that will, anyone, anyone that will invite me, I'll receive him. And he will give you the free gift of eternal life and your sin debt canceled, gone forever. And when you die, you'll be heaven bound, not because of your goodness, but because of his. So you get to choose today what you'll do with a savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond through an uplifted hand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed at your campuses. Your, your, your campus pastors are on the platform there, just like I am here at Cranberry. In a moment, I'm going to ask you if you want to be included in a prayer to receive Christ into your life. And I'll pray for you right where you're at in the seat. In fact, we'll all pray the prayer out loud and together with you. If you're watching online and you desire to be included in this prayer, just put it down in the comments. I'm praying with Pastor John. Here's the deal. In a moment when I ask you to do this, just simply raise your hand if you want to receive Christ. And then we're going to pray that prayer with you and the living God will come into your life and your sin debt will be canceled because of his grace in your life. If you believe he is the son of God and he died on the cross for your sins, buried and rose from the dead for your salvation, then now you get to choose whether you accept or reject a savior. That's your choice, not God's. But here's what Jesus said. At this very moment in your life, the very Holy Spirit of God is pulling on your heart saying, come to the Father by Jesus. Out of billions of people on the planet, that's how much you matter to God. The God of the universe is touching your soul right now. Will you say yes or no? It's not God's choice, but yours. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you would say, I don't know that if I died today where I'd spend my eternity. I don't know that I've ever given my life to Christ and received him as my Lord and Savior, or I'm not sure. But I want to know that. Please include me in a prayer to receive Christ. In a moment at all of our campuses, I'll ask you to simply acknowledge that through an uplifted hand. And then we're all going to pray with you right where you're seated. We're not going to single you out or embarrass you. It has nothing to do with this. This isn't about your bravery. It's about his. So with every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campus, 
campuses and you say, please, Pastor, I want to be included in that prayer to make Christ the Lord of my life. Right where you're at, would you just simply raise your hand where we can see it? Do it right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hands back down. Thank you. Thank you. One last moment, because I I think you can see now I'm not singling anyone out or embarrassing them, but all of our campuses, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you've not yet raised your hand, you say, please include me as well in that prayer. I want to know that he's my savior and I've not yet raised my hand. Would you just do it quickly now until it's acknowledged and we'll pray for you as well. Just do it quickly right now. Thank you. It's the best decision of your life. Thank you. You can put your hands back down at all of our campuses. Pray this out loud together with us, and we're all going to pray it together with you. And this isn't some dead religious prayer. The Son of the living God who lives forever will come because you've opened that door, and he turns no one away. This is for everybody. Oh, the love of God is so, 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 so amazing. There aren't words for it. Pray this out loud where you hear it. We'll pray it together with you. At all of our campuses, pray it out loud where you hear it. Say it out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross to bear my sin debt. I open the door of my heart and the door of my life. And Jesus, I invite you in. I receive you now to be my Savior and Lord. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. My sin debt is canceled. And when I die, I am heaven bound because Jesus is the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. Give him a hand, would you? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.